A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. I'm Steve Hall, bringing you the best clips from our Red Men Plus shows over the last week or so. Just to let you know, like I always do, if you want to listen to these shows in their entirety, in this exact podcast feed that you're listening to now, very, very simple. Head on over to Red Men Plus dot com sign up as a club legend or as a club captain and yet you'll be given a special url you can input that into your podcast app and you'll be able to listen to these shows in their entirety right then let's crack on our first uh, our first clip from this week comes from the biased football podcast it was paul myself chloe and dan having a big old chat about manchester city it looks like they are storming towards another title and quite frankly, it's a little bit boring, isn't it? City beat Fulham. Um, the first thing I want to start with, Steve, is what made me feel good about this was the imagining a world where loads of Arsenal fans turned on to watch this of like, right, come on, Fulham. Maybe Fulham will give us a chance and City get a penalty inside two minutes um, and score and go one up. And yes, they get the goal back. But in reality, the heartbreak of it all, I do find quite sustaining. Been there, done it. Got the t-shirts, mm. every single part of this. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, been there absolutely every single time. I wonder if they, no. I, I remember like, turning the TV on to hope that they, and then they'd win a 3-0. Yeah, we, we've all been there. They're just, yeah, relentless to the machine. Um, even at, you know, one all, oh, full of playing world. How are they going to bang worldy? Yeah, been there as well. We saw their centre half score from the yeah. car park. Like we, we, we've 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 lived it, lads. We've lived it. They are relentless, and they're going to win every game. They're going to win the league. They're going to probably win the FA Cup. They've got a very good chance of winning the Champions League, and it's miserable. But it's the world we're living in at the moment. They've got an absolute freak up front. <laughs> he's just he's he is. Yeah. But they've got other things going for them. They don't get enough credit for how good defensively they are. They're excellent at the back, even when they're struggling. They don't look like they're going to ship goal after goal after goal. Um, yeah, they, it's a. You can't do a last. You can't not win four games on the spin in a title race against Man City. It's barely a title race. You know, it's it's just it's a it's a bit where like Tottenham nearly finished second and end up finishing third. It's a bit yeah. that it's like they, they were in it, but the games in hand always made it look better than what it was. I, it, it's it's, it's I got, a non-event. I got shouted down on the overlap for trying to make this point, and it wasn't unfortunately a show for making nuanced football opinions because it was just a lot of people shouting over each other this this time around. But I was trying to say, Dan, that. In some respects, Arsenal could do with City just walking away with it mm. because it will actually help everyone, hopefully, to go back to this notion of Arsenal have made huge leaps and bounds, yeah. steps forward in their mm-hmm. progression, like a huge one-season turnaround, really, um, or leap forward. But there is a thing about where City are at. I, guess I, I had the game on, so I saw the penalty. I saw it on, and then I think I turned to make a cup of tea, and I turned around, and they were scoring the penalty. I was like, oh, mm. correct, but there you go. And then saw the equaliser, but I, I didn't care. And not that I, I've got no skin in this game whatsoever, so there's that. But 
I, I never thought for a single second that City wouldn't just get the winning goal in that. And that's where we're at now. We're at the world where the league title's shown up with five games mm. to go. City are just going to win it. Yeah. The vast majority of these games, they'll win the title. There'll be minimal fanfare. People might make a bit of thing about the Haaland thing and blah, blah, blah. But it's just so fucking lifeless. Yeah, it's inevitable, isn't it? It's Man City doing Man City things. And I think what's interesting about it all is I've been full of praise for Arsenal this season and I make you right in terms of their improvement. Whatever happens between now and the end, they could finish five, six, seven, eight, nine points adrift of the eventual winners. That's still a very good improvement. Mikel Arteta's done a very good job. They're back in the top four, et cetera, et cetera. But when it all boils down to it, it looks like they might not even keep pace with Man City. Like when you look at the title rival, the title rivalries we've had and the run-ins we've had with them, we made a much better fist, and yes. obviously overtook them one year. We made a much better fist of actually putting up a fight. I don't think Arsenal are going to do that. They might actually fade away with a little bit of a whimper. Like I could be wrong, but that's how it looks to me at the minute. You can't see Chloe it being a them even having that sniff on the last game of the season like we've had twice where, you know, it's possible that you could end up as champions at the end of the day. I, I agree with Dan. I would be I think it looks far more like that, that they'll end up being a significant gap between the two teams by the time we get to that point. Yeah, I think you mentioned uh, you know, maybe last week that a title race actually isn't a title race up until the last ten games and they've got to the last ten games and to mm. be perfectly honest, they've dropped points in four games on the bounce and yeah. Yeah. They've got to start and block a <laughs> Who's <laughs> right. yeah. ready to go? What? What? And City, what? City, yeah. City just stretching. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's inevitable. It's what Manchester City do. I mean, there was a time in this season where we were looking at it as Liverpool fans and saying, Manchester City look awful. Why is it in this season that we've decided to be so poor? Like, if we don't have a drop off this season, we piss the league. Yeah. Um, and you know what? City have just got a ridiculous mentality. Arsenal. Use of you, you never would have expected to be here at the very beginning anyway. So take it for what it is, mm. the big improvements, and try and go again. What I would say is that dressing room needs to change its mentality because three games ago after they lost, the heads at full time had gone. They then drew three three to South Southampton. You've got to see that as a positive positive result to keep going, especially if you've came from two nil down and three one down. And all of them were out on their feet, looking absolutely yeah. broken-hearted. You can't do that when you're in a title race. You've got to try and use everything you can to push yourself on. You've got to reset. Um, and maybe this can help them for next season. What I will say is you'll hopefully have Liverpool back there. You'll have Manchester United that improves. Chelsea, I don't know what the hell is going on there, but Newcastle, you've got to assume they'll be improved. You've got Brighton, you've got Newcastle. These are all teams that you'll have to compete with who will all get better, and Arsenal probably will get better as well. Um, but yeah, Arsenal, until you've lost on the last day of the season when the team is being 2-0 up, 1-0 yeah. up, don't, don't call at me. Like City, yeah, you're right. we, were, we were all questioning a little bit, but I think they're going to win the FA Cup, they're going to win the league. Win They'll win the Champions League. And they might win the... Like, this, this City side, we all had questions about genuinely could win the treble. Now, that's yeah. where, well, they've they, got their season strategy right. We were talking about this earlier in the week about how they've, they knew that the last like two months of the season was going to be absolutely brutal because of the World Cup and on mm. the back of the seasons that have followed. And lots of other teams have clearly got their strategy set up to hit the ground running and, and, and put a straight burn on at the start, which is the best way to beat City, by the way. It's normally the only way to do it because once they get out in front, 
you've got no chance. They're an absolute yeah. machine from doing that. You need to do what we did and then just and basically have them have them uh, killed off Arsenal by Christmas. And Arsenal were there. They just yeah. they kind of never didn't quite let, got over the line. Did they? They just, they it, just yeah. let it slip. But like I say, they're going to probably get ninety odd points when the FA Cup might win the Champions League. And the, the it's mad because they're doing it in a slightly different way as well. It is the Haaland show a little bit, mm-hmm. but they're not scoring many. They're not scoring that many more goals than they usually do. It's just there's one fella getting the absolute majority of them, but game to game, that it, it's a, it's almost irrelevant. But then there'll be a big game where he just scores, like he might score the winner in the cup final or semi against Real Madrid, mm, yes. you know, and that's when you justify, my God, look how good he is! Fifty goals already in all comps this season. He's about to break the Premier League records for, you know, and he's Shearer and Cole got it in forty odd games. So he is he is just he's he's a freak of nature. Arsenal did well to to get where they did, but it's a bit like when you're. Um, you know, you're watching like a, I don't know, like five thousand meters, and that one guy sticks with the mm. with the gold medalist, and he's there to like the last lap, and then he loses by twenty seconds yeah. because he just he's, he's give it all he's got, yeah. and he, he just found that gear. That's what it feels just, like. City, have done. City are just in that stage of champ man, footy man, when you've got it sussed, yeah, and you've bought all the best players because you knew them because it's like your third go through the game, so you know all the best players to buy are, so you buy all them. And then you just play, and you get into the point where you just click and continue. You're not even making any changes. Someone's injured, all right, Sam, I'll drop him in again. Your tactics are all set, go, and they go and do the business, and you realise that you win and everything, but actually the fun was in the in all the, the, the drama of, of of getting to that point, not in being at the top. And this is the thing, sorry, Steve, is that that this is the net result of fifteen years of sports washing. Is they are an absolute machine, and it's a shame in some regards because it's a disrespect to Pep Guardiola and some of the phenomenal footballers they've had over the years. But this is where we're at now, where it's just like, see how City have won it again. Yeah. And the acceptance, the sad acceptance that comes with that, that it's, it's bollocks. They'll have, they'll have that um, open-top bus tour. They'll win the treble, right? Which is the first time a club's done it since United in 99. And there'll be more people, well, we'll have had more people turn up to watch us, to greet us, play Roma in like a Champions League semi-final. Mm-hmm. Then we'll have turned up to watch them celebrate winning the the ultimate set of trophies. It's it's because it's it's fucking bollocks. Like right then, that was the Bias Football Podcast. Yeah, that goes out pretty much every Monday. I'm sure you guys who watch it or listen to it are enjoying it. The numbers suggest you are. It's nice to support teams that aren't Liverpool for a change, even if it is a team who I really can't stand. Right then, let's move on. It's the final word show after Liverpool beat Fulham. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't the most glamorous game ever, but Liverpool continue their winning run with another home win. Dan Club hosted Steve Plunk and Chris Pajak to have a little look back on Liverpool 1, Fulham 0. Liverpool started the game relatively well, I think, and a lot of it was down to the man at the moment. It was the Trent show again for a little while. He was orchestrating things really well for midfielder four, and he was actually quite unfortunate not to sort of open the score in early doors, but that is a player, I said it in the week, revelling in this new role. He's just enjoying his footy, isn't he? Yeah, what it does is it it makes sure he's involved in the game for 90 minutes. Mm. Sometimes he switches off at the right back position because the game goes down the left-hand side for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and he can drift out of the game. I think if Thiago was playing on the other side, you still we'd still go through trends because he's got everything. I think you referenced it um, after the first time he had a really good performance there when you wrote every club in the bag, yeah. which is exactly what he's got. There isn't a pass that isn't in his in his armory. He can do everything. The ability to be on the ball, the ability to control and run the games. That man is running the game from midfield at the moment. 
Uh, I think in, in a year's time, he will be considered one of the best centre midfielders in the world, never mind a hybrid right back who drifts into midfield. Mm -hmm. He will still, for me, he will still continue to do that. I don't think there's a world where we put a right back in and we play him in midfield. I think this is what we're going to see. Yeah. Um, because it's an extra body in midfield and we need it. Yeah. It's just immense. He's got everything. And his defensive uh, work is really good. He's often the last man. Mm -hmm. If you go back and look through his stats in his Liverpool career, he's in the top five in Europe for interceptions. Playing in that position gives him a really good opportunity to intercept line-breaking passes. Uh, albeit we've had two cutters in half in the last two games. That yeah. Nothing to do with him, but but we have. But he's, 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 I think he thinks like he's the main man. I think he needs to be the main man. I think he needs to feel like this is on me and you get the best out of him. And I've heard you talk about you never really looked at him as a leader. I don't think a captain's armband makes him any more of a leader. I probably wouldn't do that. But mm. the, the role he's playing and the, the, the way he wants the ball all the time. He's played 200 games now. He's an experienced footballer. Mm -hmm. He is a leader without being a leader type of thing. He's Absolutely. showing you what to do on the pitch. And yeah. Long may it continue, mate, because he's yeah. an absolute joy to watch. And it's a long time since we've had a midfielder that can run a game like he that. He sees the game so well. And... and one of the things that I used to love about when Thiago was fitting last season, for example, you give the ball to Thiago and Thiago would look at the entire pitch ahead of him and go, right, we're going to play down the right-hand side because I can see opportunities down there. Or we're going to play down the left-hand side because there's opportunities. Trent's got that as well. And that's something that yeah, I don't think you can teach that. No. It's just you've either got it or you don't have. And he, he moves the ball with a speed that we've been lacking mm -hmm. from our midfielders this season. It's too slow. It's too pedestrian. It's too safe. And he's the exact opposite of all of that. He's He's... He's quick. He yep. fizzes it in there. The ball's almost always perfect. He's taking risks and he's moving the ball forward, progressive passes and that mm -hmm. type of stuff. And that is what we've been crying out for. You know, we talk about a creative midfielder and people instantly think a 10. Mm. Well, it's not always a 10. It can be just a guy who moves the ball quickly into an area of the field where there's an opportunity for yep. us to take advantage of. And that's what tends to do in week in, week out. We've said it before, haven't we? You can play that sort of quarterback role and that is what he's doing essentially. But he's got that range of passing. And I think you're right in what you said there, Chris, about he's taking risks, but he's not afraid to fail at it. There's a couple last night, I think he tries a left-footed ball out to Diaz at one point, and he overhits it and he apologises. Diaz but, is like that. Yeah, but Diaz, he appreciates the intent, and that's what you're right, we were missing, but he offers all of that, and I think he, he well, he's revelling in the role, like you say, but on your point, Steon, about I don't think we should sign a right. There's a lot of talk about that, about signing the right back to go in there. It kind of nullifies what he's doing, in my, in my opinion. We should just allow him to drift, and we are... We are conceding too many chances because of it, in my opinion, because we are getting overexposed. Willian had a bit of a field day actually at times down that side. And I think we will have to address that over the summer, but we're going to have time to address it. And I wanted to talk a bit more about Trent because I wanted to touch on what else he was offering because, like I say, he nearly scores early doors. There's a moment just before half-time, Steve, and I was in the ground last night, and my eyes widened as he turned and ran at the defence and he really opened his legs and you thought... We all know about his passing and how incredible that is. One of the best passes in the country, if not in Europe, stroke the world. But is there more? Because at that moment, and there's a moment where he turns, doesn't he, on a no, sixpence, essentially. He's not but, the one where he's just pure filth. Yeah, pure filth. Oh, God. Are we, are we just sort of... I think you're, he was cutting a frustrated figure at right back because yeah. you probably felt like I could be doing so much more. Have we just started to see what's possible of Trent being in this midfield role? Yeah, absolutely. This is only going to get better from here on in. Um, there's much more to this game. It's like we've taken the shackles off and said to him, well, go on then, show us what you can do. Yeah. Uh, and back to the point, the, the right back out with the ball and the inverted centre midfielder type role with the ball mm -hmm. works really well for us at the moment. You are right, we are conceding chances. 
rather than a right back, maybe we look at a third centre back. But that questions Andy Robertson's role in the yeah. side, and we should never do that. Um, but with regards to Trent, he is quick. He's deceptively quick. He's got clearly got a football brain. He sees things early. He's a two-touch guy. I, when I was a coach, I used to make all my players play two-touch and they hated me for it. Mm-hmm. But during the games, you would reap the benefits from it because the ball's gone before you can be shut down by your opponent. Yep. And there are two or three lads who are sitting on midfield at times you need four and five touches. Mm-hmm. Get the ball that under control, get it out of your feet, have a look, touch it again and then pass it. Then all of your options are gone. Really interesting that you two guys referenced when he smacked the ball over Diaz's head and he applauded him. Mm-hmm. If he gets that pass right, Diaz is in. Exactly, yeah. And that's what he's seeing that nobody else is seeing. Mm-hmm. And he's a little bit more direct in that passing than even Thiago is. Mm-hmm. Thiago will, you think the pass is on to Chris, Thiago will look at Chris and pass it to Dan. And and, and Dan's not always ready for that. So sometimes he overforces them and we give the ball away. Mm-hmm. Trent's just got a, a wonderful appreciation of what to do with the football when he's got it. Yeah. 24 years old. You know, if he stays with the club forever and becomes a one-man, sort of one-club man, mm. you, you, he will be up there in the higher, highest echelons. He will be regarded as one of the best players Liverpool Football Club have ever had because mm. there's no ceiling to his ability. We haven't seen his ceiling yet, have we? We don't no. know what he's capable of. Well, like I say, we're just kind of unearthing what this could be. We've seen it in flashes. We've seen it be brilliant. But like I say, I think we're actually just scratching the surface. I think there's scope for a lot more from him in this role. And last night was kind of more evidence of that for me because yes, he had all his passing, but it was just a little bit more again, and that's very exciting to see. But on the on the dribbling thing and driving on with the ball, just to come back tightly, like he he reminds me, and I don't think he's just fast as Stephen Gerrard. But when Stephen Gerrard had the ball at his feet and he opened his legs in the middle of the park, or Patrick Vieira did it, or Yaya Torre did it. They're not like technical dribblers, but when they've got a head of steam on you and you're stood there still, they'll ghost past you, mm. no problem whatsoever. So I think there is more to his game that we're going to see yeah. to answer your first question as well. Yeah. We we are going to see it. He's going to become more and more comfortable. I think as the games go on, he's answering those questions that we all had about. We were talking specifically about the eight and could he play the eight and all that type of stuff. Myself said, don't not sure. I could see him as like an Alonso type of six, which is probably what we're seeing now, but I think he's got more to his game. Yeah. That turn, that filthy turn, yeah. that says there's a technical player that can do absolutely everything. And if you want to move him further forwards, he can absolutely do it. Mm. We need to see more of that, yeah. but certainly we can do that. The question of like buying a right back and playing him in midfield and all that type of stuff, I'm not I'm not on board with that. Like if we were to about t- buying one, sorry. about buying a right back yeah. and playing Trent in midfield, and the, and the reason is Jürgen's identified something here where we can get an extra man in midfield. You can't get that fourth man in midfield yeah. by signing a right back no. and putting Trent in midfield. You're essentially going back to your three man midfield to do that, and that's where I think the difficulty lies because everyone's like, well, you know. Yeah, you can play in midfield. Yeah, you can. Yeah. But the reason it's so good is because there's four men in midfield, not three men in midfield, yeah. and that's the difference right now. Yeah, I think when it's sorry, I think when he's fit. Um, and in cup games, I think we might experiment with Ramsey on that right side of the back three because he's big, he's physical, he's strong, he plays with both feet. Mm. He seems to be a, a bit of a player as well. Um, Are you talking about a Canate replacement? Like, Canate's position here or when we've Trent's talk- out and you just move enough, in? Right? I think we might try it in games that not don't have so much meaning to the club, if you like. So we'll go back to the thing where the domestic competitions don't mm. really, particularly the League Cup, don't feature high on the priority list. Mm. Um, potentially, Canate can't play 50 games in that position and no. destroy him. So, you need someone to come in and cover him. If we're going large and spending our budget in the midfield, we need to probably find something along the lines of a solution, some options within the squad we've got. Mm-hmm. And it could be because he's about 6'2, six, 6'3, six, he can play with either foot. He's quick. Ramsey's that big, is he? Yeah, he's a big lad. I did not know that. Um, 
he looks he looks an, an athlete as well. I know he's been injured, which is a bit of a contradiction in terms. Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but he looks a, he looks a bit of an athlete, looks a physical player. So potentially you could look at that. I, I said before, if we recruit, you've got to look at someone as close to the karate as you can in terms yeah. of attributes, because you couldn't ask Joe Matip to, to do that job against a particularly lively left winger, if you like. You know, yeah. so so it's interesting. But no, I, I'm on board with you two. I don't think we buy a right back because it's pushing that extra body, that six men in front of a back three, mm. pass and move, going back to the old Liverpool mantra. The West Ham game was a great example when we were fitting balls into people's feet. It was one touch, give and goes. And I was watching two of our really experienced centre midfielders struggling with that style of football, mm -hmm. um, which is fine because we need to evolve and we need to move forward. Trent's key to that evolution for me. Yeah, the interesting thing is when Trent's out, what do you do for me? That's the, that's the difficulty. And you know what? The more and more I think about it, I'm looking at Bajetic as an option. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he's a guy who's he's a, who's a midfielder by trade, but because he's a DM, he's got that little bit about him. Tyler Morton might be able to do that position. Calvin Ramsey, you mentioned them, mm. could be able to do that position. So that's the bit real key because you can't just have a formation that's only suited to one man because then you then you're changing to four three three if, he, if yeah, you yeah. and then no one's played four three three and it's not it's just so difficult. So you've got to have someone lined mm. up to be able to do yeah. that role when he's not there. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music. For all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Cheers to Dan, Chris and Steve for that one right then. Let's move on to Jano Insight. Yeah, I had Neil Jones from Gold.com in studio once again. The big stories this week have been related to Manuel Ugarte and to Alexis McAllister. So obviously that's what I asked Neil about. Transfer time, a new midfielder for us to talk about here on Jano Insight. And it's Manuel Ugarte of Sporting. So uh, according to reports from both CNN, Portugal and Ojogo and Ebola, over the weekend, Liverpool made contact with Sporting regarding a deal from Manuel Agate. These were then followed up by Uruguayan reporter Rodrigo Romano, who confirmed that Liverpool had their eyes set on him. And then to, to wind it all up, Sporting said they would be willing to part ways with him if someone matches his release clause, which is €60 million. Euros. 
53 million pounds i saw paul ghost put a tweet out i think i was saying like um Liverpool are refuse, refusing to rule this one out. He, he, basically, I don't know, he's asked the question not, and not been given the no. Sometimes he just might get but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe just blanking him, I don't know. But um, <laughs> have you had anything on, have you, do you know anything about this uh, deal, this I've player? I've not had any encouragement on him. No. Um, yeah, and I look at it and see the the release clause and think, that's high. That's high. I, I think we said on the show last week or the week before, I think, I think you'll see a lot of Premier League ready this in in the, what Liverpool do this summer, you know, I think I think obviously they've seen they've seen how difficult it's been to to get the team playing structured wise and 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 you know that intensity and that sort of level. You can do it obviously by bringing in players from outside, but the likelihood is that they'll need more time than the players who who who've got an experience of that. You know, just think of Fabinho as, a, as an example. Really, you know, became a became an excellent player for Liverpool, but needed months before he was sort of ready to to do that week in and week out. I don't see Liverpool putting themselves in a position like that where they're, they've they've spent 50, 50, 60 million pound on a midfielder and he's not playing at the start of the season. I'm not saying that Ugarte would be in that position, but it's more likely that he would be. Um, I've had yeah. I mean, the the sort of the mood music, if you want to call it that, and I, I don't like to use that phrase because it reminds me of someone, <laughs> someone from my uh, my working past. But the mood music is definitely less encouraging than it is on other players. That with 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 this, and I think that if you're looking at a, a 60 million euro release clause for a player, obviously a fine player and a player who's got a, a burgeoning reputation at Sporting. One of their two big assets, really, isn't he? With with um, Inacio, I think centre back. Um, it feels high. It feels high to me. And I think we'll probably see Liverpool look at other targets. I'm sure there'll be one in the Discord questions. But do you want to do that one now then? Just as less than yeah, because yeah, it's Alexis McAllister. Then it, yeah. if you your, your sense is it's more likely to be Alexis McAllister. Than yeah. Oh, like yeah. That. If you were put, if, I mean, if it was either or, then yeah, yeah no contest. Have you had encouragement on that second one then, or yeah, uh, then about McAllister? Yeah, no, it, uh, McAllister's more sort of, of course, of course, yeah, it, the way he's playing, a player that Liverpool are aware of, uh, interested in, Caicedo, Mount, whoever. Um, I think he's he's clearly going to leave Brighton, isn't he? I think I think that that is you can just see the the stories, different sources. You know, we've got Fabrizio Romano saying. Do you mean to be, uh, so for some yeah, context, and I'll, I'll fill it in because I would say it, it, adds uh, one of our club legends, hello mate, says um, how far along is the Alexis McAllister interest on the back of the Agathi story as well. In for context, Paul Joyce wrote in the Times, Liverpool after Brighton midfield are high on their list of targets. They prepare to bolster their midfield this summer. Uh, and then for Richard Romano reported literally this morning Liverpool have already spoke to Alexis McAllister presented their project and their financial proposal so that that's where we're at with that one are you in the same is that what you understand as well we're in a similar thing yeah I think I think there's still competition to get him obviously you know there's a reason there's a reason why it's not sort of Liverpool of you know he's the one I think I think he's got other clubs that would like to sign him um, so there's still there's still a, a bit of work to do on that but I think I think I think he fits the bill. I've said I think I've said it plenty of times. I think he fits the bill perfectly for Liverpool in terms of his all-round game. Is he's got a bit of a goal threat, but he's, he gets through defensive work. He's obviously, you know, played in winning sides. He's he, he's he's able to have a lot of touches of the ball. He's able to obviously 
run and he's young <laughs> enough. He's played in the Premier League, he's 24. You know, I think the question is A, the fee, what's it going to cost? You know, Brighton are not going to sell him cheap. He's, he's one of their best players and they've got some good ones and they're not they're not financially, you know, on their knees. In fact, if, if, anything but. And also, what are the offers from other clubs? You know, I'm pretty sure Chelsea will be one of the clubs that are looking. I think Manchester United have been linked pretty um, strongly as well. He's, he looks very Arsenal-y as well, in in, in my mind. Um, so, I think there'll be. I think there's still a bit of work to do, but I think Liverpool would love to get Alexis McAllister in this summer. I think that, and I, and I, I don't know what the Discord and the, the the viewers would think, but I think if that was Liverpool's first sign of the summer, I think a lot of people would be thinking that's a pretty good start to, yeah, yeah, to what Liverpool are doing. I suppose the flip side is, mate, they play in different positions. One, I mean, Agate is essentially... Yeah, Agate, he's Fabinho-esque yeah, in, that, in the a, role. He's a destroyer, isn't he? I don't know what you thought again last night, but I thought Xiao Palinha, who's been linked with Liverpool, I thought he was excellent last night. Yeah, I watched him and thought, yeah, I wouldn't like to play against him in the, in the centre of midfield. He's a bit gnarly about him. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's <laughs> a bit tall as well, isn't he? And yeah. sort of strong wins, gets through so much work. Ugarte, by all accounts, I can't. I can't profess to have seen. He, just gets, he, gets, bo- he gets booked every week. He's, <laughs> yeah, so, but he's known. As, he's known as getting through all kinds of defensive actions, isn't he? And there's another player as well, another Portuguese player, Florentino Luis, who's a Benfica. Very similar reputation. Very similar profile of player. A big sort of bit Fabinho, as you say, like a, a tackler, a, an interceptor, a breaker up of play, um, and the same. The same sort of vibe. When asked about Florentino Luis, good player, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of, I wouldn't waste your time almost in terms of that one. So I, I you know, potentially wrong, but I don't think Ugarte is right in the, the mix of Liverpool targets. I think McAllister is. Are we at a stage where you've you, you referenced it a couple of times now? Are, would you say the main targets are all based like Premier League based or um, not, not all of them? But like yeah. some of them because we've we've heard Mason Mountain name keeps yeah. come up for example as well. Here's Alexis McAllister. They're, they're, I'm, I, they're the two I get the sense at the moment are the like the ones that we're hearing probably the most noise around. Yeah, obviously Gravenberg yeah. at Bayern as well. There's obviously there's there's those links. There's there's links with with, with a lot of players obviously. But I I do think you know just just logically as much as anything, if you were if you were looking to fix Liverpool's midfield for the Premier League, I think I think sort of having you want as many. Guarantees, if you like, as possible, don't you? You don't. You could sign really exciting prospects. You could sign Manuel Ugarte. You could go and sign Kevin Turam and 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 players that you say, you know, wow, these could be these could be incredible sort of young players. But they might not be. You know, people forget. I think I think in the transfer season, people love to forget sort of past. Transfer sagas, and I, you know, I, 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 the player I think of is John Michael Seri when when he was leaving um, France to come. He ended up coming to Fulham, but he was linked with Liverpool. And if you'd have listened to people on Twitter, you'd have thought, well, how are Liverpool possibly passing up this this player? How are they not getting this deal done? He's a, he's the best thing you know that's ever come out of France, you know. And he wasn't, was he? That he, he came and he, he he didn't really make it at Fulham. He ended up, I think, he ended up a Hull. Um, you know, by the way. Not a criticism of him as a player, but it's just the idea that you still got no guarantees. Even even if a player's done really really well at a club, you know, like a Sporting Lisbon or a Benfica or a Nice or a, a Lille, whoever, it's not the same as buying a player from Brighton at the moment, or buying a player from Chelsea, or buying a player from you know even okay, let's say Gravenberg. You know, a player who's come through Bayern Munich, even if he hasn't made it, 
you know that they know the sort of there's a certain level there that you that you you sort of do, and and I think Liverpool will will want as many of those kind of guarantees as they can possibly get because there's so much uncertainty at the moment, isn't there, around the team that you know there's players leaving, they're losing some big characters, they're losing some players that they've got a lot of games out of in 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 recent season. They want players who are going to be available and players that okay, you can never quite know what a player will do. You know, you would have said. Probably last summer, Raheem Sterling was a guaranteed thing for Chelsea. They haven't; it hasn't worked out yet for them. But I think you want you want to be limiting the risk as much as you can. If you're buying three or four players for a certain position, I think you want to be making sure that you know most of them, if not all of them, are going to be ready to go. Cheers to Neil for that one. Right then, let's move on. It's deep dive time. Yes, Josh and Chris. Back better than ever, doing what they always do. Liverpool, from a statistical, tactical, analytic point of view, they talk about the Reds, they talk about future signings, potential signings, and how they'll fit in. All that good stuff. Check out this week's Deep Dive. It's bloody easy to play through Liverpool in that situation, isn't it? Yeah. On this one, right, I actually think it is Fabinho's fault. Okay. For the most part. I think the defensive line is not ideal and the kind of gap between Van Dijk, Canase and uh, Robertson that kind of emerges is not ideal either. But uh, to your points on Nunes, but I think Klopp specifically said after the game, press conference and stuff, he, he mentioned about how Polina specifically needed to be catered for, how Nunes at times was, I think he described him as a racehorse in the sense that wanting to close these lads down because he's just got that in his nature. To be honest, never really understood that reference when he said that. <laughs> but I th- he was, was wondering what he'd been on. Yeah. <laughs> well, he specifically referenced Polina. So I, I think Nunes is deliberately attaching himself to Polina there. Mm-hmm. And if he's doing that, What's where's Fabinho, Fabinho going? Why, why is he so high? He can he can move into this space here. Um, I think this, one, this issue here is about cover shadows, basically. Yeah. Um, because... Even if Nunes is closing closing these lads down, th- this is where Fulham are going to have a free man anyway because yeah. you've got one forward up against two centre backs there. So that that that's always kind of going to happen. Nunes is is ignoring them both anyway and, and taking care of Polina. At this point, it's Fabi- a mid block. Yeah, F- Fabinho for me should be probably about there or something yeah. like that. Can I say in Simicast we have said should be Online. tighter, like you know. He should be in the, in the picture there, basically. But that pass I, probably stems from just Fabinho's focus, potentially, Fabinho's concentration, Fabinho's ability to get across the pitch because you know, the ball starts over here, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But he is just kind of meandering labouring, through the yeah, zones, yeah. isn't he? And I, I think you're right. I mean, I wouldn't have attached blame to, to, to either of them. I would have said problem here, problem there type of thing. I think mm. it did, but I, I take your point. It's absolutely spot on. If Jürgen's saying he's attaching himself to Polina, then it stands to reason that the fella at fault here then is Fabinho. And you're right, his positioning's not right. But again, you've got to talk about Canate and you've got to talk about Andy Robertson. And we're thankful, really, that Virgil van Dijk switched on enough um, to be able to get back across. And then Alisson, of course, with the save. So... Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And again, you know, not not to be all negative on Liverpool in any in any way, shape, or form here, but um, what we are looking at is ways for Liverpool to improve. Josh and these ad- inadequacies, I think, have, have phrased it in the agenda. I mean, how, how do you solve this? Is it as simple as the player that we were talking about on the last show on YouTube? Is it as simple as somebody with a bit more legs, or is it as simple as somebody who's not going to switch off? Is it even simple? Is it as, is it 
is it a system thing? I think it's a combination of a lot of things, yeah. I think s s some players are a bit almost culpable for being not intense enough. Uh, that some of them are playing like they've won everything, and to be fair to them, they have. Um, maybe in, in that case, you need to get players in who are going to be just genuinely hungrier to regain the ball. I want that ball back more than Fabinho wants it back, for example, of late. Um, I do think it'd help if we had a lot more mobility in the engine room. You know, Klopp calls it an engine room for a reason. Liverpool this season have lacked the legs in that engine room mm -hmm. to, to cover the ground necessary. I also think up front, um, the, the, the likes of Nunes, I mean, Gakpo's been decent to be fair, but we, we, we do have a, a bit of a different front line than previous seasons in terms of just relentlessly being Mane, Salah, Firmino. So you have like press and ways to work on with them, specifically Nunes. Um, so I just think overall, it's a combination of things that Liverpool really need to solve ahead of next season because I, I think it was in the previous show I did touch on this season. We are third in the league for expected goals, which is fine. Title winning level, really. Um, but 11th for expected goals against. That has to be resolved. And uh, I think in terms of this 3-2-5 system, I don't know if we're going to keep it on that, but it, it has improved the high press in the final third. But the overall defensive almost desire of the team it's you still they don't look desperately hungry for a clean sheet mm. um, some of them do Alison was apparently in their tears last night after <laughs> yeah, his clean sheet so he that, certainly yeah. is but, um... yeah, but it's just it's just get, just getting tight to your man getting really tight forcing them backwards like I was going to say before on the first clip that we showed of uh, I think the it Kane was Perisic going forward and, and feeding Kane the Generally, three goals when it comes to pressing. Number one would be regain the ball. If you can't regain the ball, okay, force them backwards then. And if you can't force them backwards, at least block the centre. Mm. And you've just thrown three examples up there of Liverpool. Um, I mean, the, the third one, we're not blocking the centre, we get played right through. Um, in some of the situations in the, the Kane goal, we did force them back. But then... I mean, we have to say with Spurs, you're coming up against decent individual qualities, to be fair. Um, but just overall, Liverpool have got to get that sort of thing fixed. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things early on in the season, I remember being at the Wolves game, um, when we was it we drew, did we draw two all with them in the cup or something like that? I can't. I, can't I think you beat them one 0 in the cup. Oh, was oh, well, I, one of the Wolves games anyway? And it's just, and, and it happened all throughout the early parts of the seasons. We just opened through the middle. Now it was people running through the middle early on in the season, and it was infuriating um, <laughs> now it just seems to be we're opening like the Red Sea we're parting like the Red Sea almost aren't we at the yeah, moment yeah. it's just it's a soft underbelly I think is yeah. what I'm trying to get it's, at Liverpool this season I think we are almost letting players play for, for to an extent in terms of just it's too nice It's you, you're not getting in the face you're not really wanting to regain the ball it's almost gestures when it comes to defensive activity and I think a few weeks back, for example, when we played Arsenal, there was this narrative, wasn't there, that like, Xhaka woke Anfield up and all this stuff. If That feels very cliche, very media, but he certainly woke Trent up. Mm. Because in the moments after it, Trent, Trent was running around. Trent's defensive behaviour was different in terms of, it wasn't just gesturing, yeah, I'm, look, I'm closing my man down. It was putting a foot in from behind, you can feel your man, you feel Trent's presence behind them and whoever it was, Martinelli or whatever. 
So it, it, it did impact the game and that does seem to have been lost to an extent this season, the intensity and you know, we look back at the, the YouTube show with, with Manuel Garza, that's one thing we tried to capture in the show, that he's just such an intense dog when it comes to defensive activity. You, you need some of these players in your team. and He sets the bar, and I think yeah. Liverpool don't have anyone at the moment probably to set the bar in the in the engine room, in the midfield. Well, to be honest, a lot of a lot of that lately, the the bar setting, if you want to call it, that it has been Curtis Jones, I think. Mm. He's, he's been the instigator. And I think previous years... You've had Henderson doing a lot of that. Adam Lallana was really good at doing that. Um, but there's maybe too many players who felt like passengers maybe this season. Like the second clip that you showed, obviously we get to a point where Jota and Nunes completely out the picture. And if if in today's game you're, you're defending in the Premier League game with eight, eight players rather than 11 or whatever, you've got no chance. You're no. going to get opened up. Cheers to Chris and to Josh for that one, yeah, the deep dive. By the way, we put a free version of the deep dive out on podcast and on YouTube, so you want to go and check that out and make sure you enjoy it first. And then once you do, because I'm sure you will, then you can now get the second episode over on redmenplus.com. Just like you can get all of the content that you've just listened to, like I say, the full shows are available over there on the website. Come and join us, come and support the channel. It is essentially your Liverpool streaming service. We cover the Reds from every single possible angle and yeah from as little as what is it £1.25 a week it works out as absolute bargain I reckon I'd pay that for just one of those shows the fact that you get all of them each and every week just for five a month absolute amazing value so yeah head on over there and yeah I'll be back next week with another Redmen Weekly until then I'll see you all soon take care everyone Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.